0: what's up everyone welcome back to the proho podcast if this is your first time tuning in my name is penda i'm your host and today we have a special crossover episode with kaz lucas and her podcast the spread all the way from kenya shout out to the motherland she is a certified sex educator and doing the good work of decolonizing sexuality on the continent and abroad We've actually never met in person before, so this conversation kind of felt like a long overdue catch-up session on all things sex, of course. Plus, we answer some questions from our listeners. All right, so let's do it. So, Penda
1: Ndaye, is that how we pronounce your name? Jai. Okay. Maybe you could start off by telling us a little bit about yourself and um, if you remember how we met and what brings you here. Who are you? What do you do? Why are you here?
0: Yes, of course. So, my name is Penda Jai. I am Senegalese American. I live in Brooklyn, New York. And I am the founder of my brand, Pro Ho which is a brand that I started after my mom gave me my first vibrator for Christmas. And after she gave me my first vibrator, we had a conversation kind of on the lack of sexual dialogue in black communities. And she said that she wished she would have spoken to her kids about sex at a much younger age, which to me, I was just like, oh my God, this makes so much sense because I basically learned about sex from porn and from like my childhood neighbors. Um, So I just started writing um, in hopes to create a space that felt safe and that other people could share in their own sexual experiences and kind of break down some of the stigmas that plague, you know, Black communities in terms of our sexual liberation. So um, that's kind of my mission through podcasts and through community events with Planned Parenthood, as well as writing. I'm just really interested in how the Black body is political and how we can change the narrative over Black sexuality. So I think you and I met through a mutual friend, shout out to Uzo, um, and he linked us and you were in town. (laughs) Yes. And so... um, (laughs) He linked us over WhatsApp and we just started kind of having this conversation. I think we, you know, played tag a little bit. Sometimes you were in New York and other times, you know, it just, the timing didn't, didn't work out. So it's only right that now when everything is virtual that we do this <laughs> virtual podcast episode. That's
1: right. And um, I'm so glad that we have finally like, aligned, the stars are finally aligned and maybe even better yet, better because um, I feel like divine timing is everything. So I'm really glad that we can be here to do this together and we get the opportunity to ask people um, or to answer people's questions about sex and sexuality. Um, I do remember listening to, you, to the first ever episode of uh, Perho. Proho? Yes, Proho. Yeah, and you talking about what your relationship with your, your like your mother giving you your first vibration, I, vibrator. I really, I like that. I want to talk a little bit more about your relationship with your parents being your first generation, right? So what it was like for your parents moving here and what it was like for you being, I guess, different in the way that you decided to explore your sexuality and, and come out as being this sex goddess, like what that has been what what kind of like transition that was for you especially just being raised by african parents yeah
0: definitely i think i have a little bit you know different perspective when it comes to being raised by african parents a because my dad is senegalese but my mom is black american like born and raised in america in the south and then in colorado which i grew up in colorado which if you don't know is a very predominantly white state so From the jump, I grew up in this kind of progressive household where my father was Muslim and my mother Christian. So I think from the beginning there was this understanding of like we are progressive in our thinkings and accepting, you know, whatever you feel like is right for you to think and to understand and how you maneuver through the world and through life. And so I don't think my dad and I ever spoke about sex like I mean I think that that's pretty common (laughs) whether you're African or American like you don't really have too many conversations with your father if you're a woman and my mom you know kind of has this like joking like lighthearted manner. So I think if I ever asked her about sex, she probably would have been really open about it, but she just never brought it up. So when she gave me this vibrator pretty late in life, I was like 26, 27. Um, I just was, I was really surprised, but I think it kind of came as a dig because she was like, are you dating anyone? And I was like, no, I'm single. She's like, okay, well girl, like at least tell me you're taking care of yourself in other ways. And I was just like, uh... (laughs) Uh, sort of like my, using my fingers, which like now I'm just like, no, sis, we got it. Fingers ain't it. <laughs> but um, so then she gave me the vibrator. And it's just funny because after she gave me the vibrator and it got, I, it came in the mail. And so I sent her a picture. I was like, oh my God, it's here. And she's like, whoa, whoa, whoa. Like I bought it for you, but I don't need to know the details. I don't want to know what it looks like. I don't want to know when you're using it. Like, <laughs> <laughs> she was just like, okay, you know, too much information. So I think now we're we're so much more open about sex. Um, you know, she would give me advice kind of like one of my first boyfriends, he like had a hard time keeping it up and... And being hard all the time. So she would say, you know, you just got to move on. Like, it's not worth it. You're too young to be having bad sex. Like if it's not working, just like get out of there. So I think she would always kind of give me that type of advice. Like men should just like fawn over you or like whoever you're with, whichever partners that you're with, it should just be this adoration um, and admiration and never like settle or feel like you know you have to fight for it. It should just be easy, and sex should be fun and amazing and great so um you know I think she 's really open now. she sends a lot of articles and is is always kind of interested in you know going deeper with with sexuality and our in our relationship mm-hmm. around sex
1: I like that um, i I kind of had it really different from a lot of my friends, especially considering the fact that I was born and raised and spent most of my life in Kenya. Um, my parents were actually very liberal. And my mother and I were having conversations about sex when I was... Uh, I think I had my first sex conversation with my mom when I was 11. And um, I started dating people when I was really young. I started dating young, and I guess that's why my mom needed to have the conversation because she was just like, a baby girl. <laughs> um, so, and it, My mom's sex advice was actually the best because she said to me that... She's um, I had a boyfriend who was much older than me when I was when I was 11 12 years old and uh, I mean my family were cool ish for the most part about it but then when I did have the conversation with my mom her first question to me was she asked me if I was having sex with him and I said no. And then she was like, well, you know, if you do decide to have sex, I just want you to keep in mind um, two things. One, sex for the first time will be painful, is what she said. And then she said that the ugliest thing in the world is a naked man with socks on.
0: (laughs) That is so true. Or boxers. I've done that. I've had sex before with a man with, like, boxers on where he just kind of, like, slid it out of that front slip. And I was like, this feels wrong. This feels wrong. (laughs) Wow.
1: I mean, it's uh, if he's wearing boxes, it's not so hard to pull them
0: down. Just like pull them down. Like it makes no sense. It really makes no sense. So like you're inside of me, yet you can't like be completely naked with me. It's very strange. Oh,
1: do you think it was an insecurity thing?
0: Yeah, I think so. For sure. I'm not sure why. Like maybe he was hairy down there and felt insecure about that or some other qualm that he was experiencing because I just can't understand any other reason why you would like act (laughs) like (laughs) purposefully keep them on during sex
1: yeah um what is some what how would you describe your sexuality and how do you like maneuver around the world I guess
0: like sexually yeah I think that you know it's funny because one of my friends He was just like, you know, you have this energy, like when you walk into a party, like you're subtle and you're kind of like low key, but like there's this sexual radiance that comes off of your skin. And I'm like, yes, I'm winning. Like that is like my entire life goal is like to be so subtly like sexual. And so I think that's how I like kind of maneuver on the world it's like it kind of reeks from my pores, but in a way that's just like I'm very confident about who I am, about my sexuality, about who I engage with sexually, how I get down. Um, I am... I engage sexually with men. I'm heterosexual. I'm straight, um, but I appreciate women so much. I do engage in lesbian porn from time to time. I love just seeing beautiful women. I'm, I'm you know especially in New York City, like you see so many beautiful people all the time that I think it's kind of hard to like have this lens on where you're just like okay, you know, men, men, men. Like I don't think that linearly, yeah. and I Tunnel believe vision. that everyone. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. And I believe that, you know, everyone exists on a spectrum. So, I think I practice, you know, being heterosexual and straight, but I think I'm on the spectrum where it's like, yeah, I could I could get down with with some some women. I can appreciate beauty. Um so I yeah, it's it's interesting because I did um a live with Afropunk a couple of weeks ago and my when my ex-boyfriend was watching it and afterwards he's like, "Oh, you, you, you always are preaching like this whole life, but you're not a hoe. Like, I feel like I hoe more than, I know more hoes than you. And I was just like, okay, like probably, maybe, probably, but I'm like, my definition of Didn't know it was a competition. Exactly. I didn't know, I didn't know there were hoe competitions out here, (laughs) but also I'm like, my definition of like, hoe, the whole thing is like, just do whatever you want. If you want to be out here sleeping with as many people as you want. I support that. I've been there. I've done that. That's not exactly the phase that I'm in my life right now. But the whole thing is do whatever feels sexually right to you, whatever sexual desires feel true to you, live those out. So that's kind of like my motto is like I do what I want, when I want, with whom I want, and feel like I'm finally at a place now where I can communicate sexual desires and I feel no shame about them. Um, and I, no regrets, no sexual regrets. Whereas I think when I was younger, I was kind of like, oh, is this person going to tell so and so that we had sex? Or like, should I ask him to eat my pussy? And now I'm just like, nope, this is what you're doing. Move the head down. <laughs> A yeah. little bit more sure of myself. Um, but what about you? That's, like, how is uh, it? Beautiful. Yeah, thank you. But wh- how is it for you in, in Kenya? What is, what is navigating sexuality like in Africa?
1: Ooh, different. Uh, for starters, I identify as queer, so I'm mm, pansexual. I think is the word that dis um, that describes me like closest. I don't discriminate against any gender, any gendered people, and I'm happy to date um, anyone as long as we get along, and I'm happy to sleep with anybody as long as they're good people kind. I'm actually trying to find good people to sleep with because I've had my fair share of um, fuckboys, so to speak, like across genders, actually, (laughs) right? And it's just like, like at what point do you begin to trust your instinct be um so one of the things that i wanted to do more intentionally this year was just to to be able to find people that were like-minded that understood um different aspects of sex and sexuality that understood um, bdsm and kink which is such an important facet of my life and that i didn't have to get into um situations where I needed to explain myself so much and and explain just because I understand that we are actually still the minority so you know sexually liberated persons are are so we're a small number of people and it's a lot of people consider who we are such a taboo and I mean there's a lot of slut shaming that's happening so being able to find like-minded people already the pool is so small and then uh, being able to then find some, I mean, I, I, I boxed myself into a corner so small that it's so hard to find people. <laughs> it's, it's just get, it gets harder and harder to be able to find people to date or to sleep with or, and then the, when you do, it's just like, it's been six months since I've had sex. I think I'll fuck you anyway. <laughs> yes. Uh, no,
0: I feel that way. Exactly. So. It's like, At which point you just kind of give in and you're like, okay, I just need some sex. So, like, I'm just going to have to sacrifice, like everything that I've worked for these last six months for just for some, you know, human touch and interaction for real. But I agree with you so much. And like the pool just gets so much smaller. And I still think that there are a lot of people who are small minded when it comes to BDSM or kink or, you know, experimenting. Like I had someone on my show two weeks ago ask, like, okay, well, what really is a sub and a dom? And it just kind of highlighted like, wow, we still have like a long way to go in terms of like really understanding, like non quote-unquote non-normative sexual behaviors um so i think it's always kind of like a difficult subject to breach with new partners you kind of like want to feel it out and like not scare not like scare someone off but you're kind of like this is what i'm into like are you into this are you are you into learning? Are you down to explore? Like I had a partner once who would send me like small clips of like porn videos and be like, oh, I can't wait to do this to you next time I see you. And, and I thought that that was kind of genius because it kind of opened the door for us to, you know, share things that we were maybe that intrigued us so that we wanted to try and could kind of like, you know, shoot it over in like <laughs> a, a porn video and kind of gauge like people's comfortability and and try out new ideas. Yeah. So that was good. But, yeah, it's getting, it's tough. It's tough out here to find, like, your equally yoked sexual partner. Yeah.
1: And then, actually, even just to add on to that, being in a country that is uh, that is very conservative, that is very religious, um, and already the people that are being raised are being raised. Like, a lot of the people who are my generation, my age, have been raised with that sort of, like, that, Um, colonized, patriarchal background, you know, all of our parents are deeply colonized even without knowing it. And um, very patriarchal, very a woman must, a woman must sort of like conversations is what, you know, like you're 30, I'm 36, you're 36 and you're not married yet. I mean, people don't ask me anymore because people are a lot more aware of my sexuality now because I'm so much more open about it. So I don't like when I go to family functions, I don't get asked about marriage, but I wait. I wait for the question because they know because I don't shut my mouth and just like ask me, ask me when I'm getting married so that I can tell you when it's legal <laughs> and then we
0: can have that conversation. I think my mom has stopped asking me at this point. Like yeah. she I mean, I think she's hopeful like she and and for me it's like I want that as well and I want to have kids and all of these things, but at the same time like I just will not settle. So it's like until that relationship <laughs> Comes to life, like I I don't really have an answer for you, and I'm not gonna like you know force it. And then I have my sister, who's nine years older, and she's like, you know, just have a baby. It's okay, don't worry. Like the family will all help you, will all pitch in. And I'm just like, that's not <laughs> that's not how that's some I want this to happen. That's some <laughs> bullshit. Exactly. Like just because you want a niece or a nephew, like I don't understand how that affects my timeline. So yeah, it, I think family always is gonna chime in. Your community is gonna chime in, and you know, I definitely have dated people who feel. Who maybe don't outright say it, but who I know are intimidated that I'm so open about sex and talking about sex and sexuality. And I'm just like, well, until there's a person that gets it and understands it and isn't um, intimidated by it, then I'm just going to be having sex with people that I enjoy. Whoever the fuck I
1: want. Have you found that the more that you get into the work of like writing about sexuality and now um podcasting about it, do you find that you're having less sex? Oh, a
0: thousand percent. Like I feel like I used to be, I don't know, I was way more active and I don't know I don't know if it's like the work that I'm doing in terms of just like learning about sexuality and the podcasting and like being more vocal and getting more exposure about it, or if it's just that my standards have <laughs> like raised. So it's just like The Or maybe, yeah, maybe it's like my energy is just different. So I'm attracting different people, less people, coincidentally. But um yeah, I'm definitely having less sex. I think in the wintertime in New York anyways, like I wasn't like booed up. So it's kind of like hard to go out and like meet people. And then my previous sexual partners, I just like wasn't feeling it anymore. So hopefully if we're out of this quarantine by summertime here, I'll get more... (laughs) More dick, but it's been slow. It's been a slow season. I don't know about you. Do you feel that way? Like the more you talk about it, the less sex you have, which is kind of interesting. I think.
1: Absolutely. I've been I've been doing this work for four years now, and I think that, in, I've had the least amount of sex in the last four years in my like, life. Okay, but why? Like, why is that? I think it's because the more that I learn about myself and the more that I'm able to explore uh different aspects of sexuality the more that the box becomes smaller the dating pool becomes smaller and also just the more that I no longer want people who are not worthy is the term I'm going to use in my very very intimate and vulnerable space and I'm very very vulnerable when I when I Give myself i really do like i i'm one of those people that wears my heart on my sleeve i'm an empath i just i i'm so fully committed to everything so by the time i'm having sex with somebody i've already like you know i've i've really just like dug deep into my the vulnerable part of me and now more than ever i just don't want to give that part of me to anybody unless i know that there is going to be some sort of reciproc reciprocity
0: Oh, definitely. And that's what I was speaking on a little bit about, like the energy is like, I just think my standards and my energy and like self-worth also, it's like, it's just on a, it's so different than two, three years ago when I was just kind of more in this this phase of like, ooh, if you like me, I like you back. And now like, now I'm just way more particular about who I allow into that space and finding, you know, just that I can choose I can choose who I allow into that space. I don't have to just accept who wants to be in my space. And I think that's the the part that I was, you know, that's changed after learning and and growing in my sexuality. It's like, wow, sex is Definitely a mutual experience. So, like, in no way now am I passive in the way that I receive sex um, or the people that, you know, kind of... I don't know if you've had people who kind of just, like, force themselves into your life. You're like, oh, okay, so <laughs> guess we're dating. <laughs> like, I think I'm more just, like... <laughs> I'm more particular I'm like whoa like you know let I get to be in control of who I allow in my space who I allow sexually into my space mentally intellectually and it's just like my standards have increased and my self-worth and that affects like the amount of people like you said it's a smaller pool of people that I feel who are worthy to enjoy all of this goddessness speak on it (laughs) yes speak on it (laughs) Oh, I was going to ask you quickly, because um, last week we spoke a little bit about, like, number of sexual partners, and if you thought that was an important thing to expose to your partner, um, like, would you ask? Or, like, does that number have any, any, you know, mirrored or implication that you're promiscuous or does it mean that you're just exploring sex but I was talking about how I dated someone who asked me how many people I had sex with and so I went home and like you know started thinking about it whatever came back with a number and which I actually like lowered that number out of like shame that I was going to be judged on that number so I actually was like you know let me like knock a few of these people off but and after I shared that number then I asked him and he wouldn't tell me his number of sexual partners. So I just thought it was so hypocritical and it really made me think about like, so what does that number signify? Um, so I wanted to know what you thought, if that's ever happened to you, has someone asked you the number of people you've slept with and are you open about it? Are you honest about it? Or dear, are you just like, this is none of your business?
1: I've been in a situation where I'm, it was many years ago and I met this guy in a club and we kind of like hit it off and started having conversation and we had like such chemistry we had so much in common um he was a little bit younger than me maybe like one or two years younger than me which is unusual for me to to have a spark with somebody who's younger than me generally and uh, we started to have conversations about, um, I always have, like sex always comes up and he asked me what my body count was. And um, I was just like, I don't know. But first I was like, I don't know. I've never really thought about it. I've never thought to to count it. And um, then I, I, actually, to be honest, I had. I, I knew how many people that I had slept with. And the number then was already high. So... <laughs> So he's like, and he was just like, no. And, you know, we had like such mad chemistry, but he was like, yo, no, like no judgment here. Like, yeah. So, you know, I really thought he meant no judgment. So when I gave him the number, he was like, oh, damn.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Oh, my God. That's a lot of people.
1: (laughs) I was like, well, yeah, um, but that's And then it's the way he responded. He really shamed me. Um, just ba- and I was I thought that was so fucked up because it's not it's not anything that I thought to ask back because I don't I don't necessarily care. I think the only thing that might what that might concern me about anybody's body count is that I like to think that the more people you slept with and the more experience you have, maybe. So the higher the body count, the better. <laughs> Hopefully, but, like, but I uh, feel like that isn't also, always true. Yeah. Of course it's not. But like, uh, that's that's the only way that I would wrap my, my mind around having that conversation. Otherwise, I, I don't know if I could be with anybody who would ask me how many people I've slept with. For me, that would be a red flag. If you ask me my number, then I'm just like, oh, that's, you're a little too immature for me. This space is not for you.
0: Exactly. Because it's, it's just... Did you ask him? No. Well, he asked me first. Or did I ask him why he wanted to know? Did, no, did you ask him back? Yeah, I asked him back and he wouldn't tell me. He was just like, oh, it's it's a lot more than your number. And I was like, okay, but just let me know then. And he wouldn't tell me. So, I was just, so that's what made the whole situation to me so ridiculous. Because I was like, so what was the point of you asking me mine? Like, is it so that you can make sure it's less than yours? Or like, what kind of value are you placing on me based on this number? Like, it was just really interesting. The fact that like he asked me, but then couldn't be open and reciprocate. So... I don't know. Maybe maybe my lower, quote unquote, lower number somehow like reverse shamed him into not telling his. But I don't know. It was it was really interesting. And so after that, I was just kind of like, yeah, like so this relationship, how can it I mean, first of all, it wasn't built on trust to begin with because I lied about my number, let's be honest. And then but then also Mm. he couldn't be open with me regardless about his number so the the whole thing was just not set up on trust from (laughs) from the the beginning Mm. there was no honesty how long did that
1: relationship last
0: it lasted like three months and we're still which is so Mm. short like three months we're still in um communication like we're still cool we're we're friendly he lives not far from me so you know we've seen each other since then but it's just like you know once you don't have that honesty or trust it's, it's really difficult to bring it back to like you know ramp yourself up to like <laughs> try again it's just like you know it didn't work out the first time for whatever reasons um but yeah i thought that was interesting and, and i think it's just it goes back to a lot of things of you know placing this ownership and value over women and that number doesn't mean anything and it's you know yeah it's a myth it really all of is. that shit yeah. is just like just so same. Outdated. just like virginity a myth doesn't doesn't even and when people
1: holding so much value it's yeah. just it's it's all very um
0: it's just it's bullshit
1: exactly <laughs> it's just bullshit That's all but how
0: is. did how did you build like I feel like you like I look on your social media and I see like how much engagement you have and it's so beautiful to see and I and I just wonder like what that process was like for you like when did you decide, because I think you you asked me this in the beginning, but we didn't talk about you. When did you decide that you were like, this was your purpose, was to talk about sex, talk about sexuality? And then how did you grow your audience? Like, how did you, how did people in your community, like, also just find out about you and decide that, like, you were speaking their truths and that you were someone who was, who they needed to follow and learn from?
1: Well, I think I've always been this openly sexual person and i definitely give thanks to the house that i grew up in my whole family my whole entire family is really just i'm honestly i feel like i'm a unicorn in kenya i have the most beautiful Family, like, very open-minded, non-judgmental. If they do, they don't bring that shit around me. Um, If they do, then I'm just, like, I'm quick to respond. So people kind of... I've, I've always been, my whole entire life as a kid, I was always the one, you know, I was the one that talked back. I was the naughty kid. I was the... I was just... I was just raised to be myself. My... Both my parents allowed me to just be whoever I wanted to be. And, you know, I was a musician Um, I started um, singing when I was 14 years old, like publicly. And so I built my um, career as an entertainer for so many years. And I've always been on platforms where I spoke openly. But then I spoke openly about sex as well. I write a lot of music about sex and sexuality and just like one night stands. And last night he made me come and like, (laughs) um, which is a a dope song. (laughs) And um I just and I guess because of that i I've just realized when I started coming into myself and um, expressing myself as queer and you know learning more about it and trying to find people because I felt like such a is the word anomaly? I think I'm using the word correctly. Yes, you and are. I really wanted to find. <laughs> I wanted to find people who were like me, and I hated the fact that there was nobody. There's no one in my space. There's no one in Kenya, and I couldn't find anyone on the continent who was doing things that were similar. So I started like scurrying the internet, looking for people, black women specifically, who were doing things that I wanted to do, and just have open conversations with young people about sex and sexuality to rid them of the shame that they're. Uh, accustomed to at home so that they're able to live their best lives because I feel like once you're able to tap into that part of you like um, once you're able to be open about your sexuality then a lot of other things sort of flourish I find but once you're honest about that thing that you were raised to have shame about then everything else in your life just becomes like okay look I'm not going to let you fuck with me because I already know who I am (laughs) you know what I mean I'm not going to let the patriarchy bring me down and then that was it. I was just like, okay, I think this is it. I think because there is not that person, I think I need to create some, something. I need to create something for people to talk. Because also just a lot of the, the people are so gullible. And a lot of the like WhatsApp groups and Facebook groups and stuff that people are listening to and subscribing to sexually is just some bullshit. So many women are listening to anything. They'll be told anything. And they'll do it, you know. <laughs> exactly. Um, there's groups, you know, there was the thing where you put the, like, to make a, to for a man to enjoy, to have, like, the best blowjob, you put a mint in your mouth or something and suck his dick. There's that. And then a whole ton of women are subscribing to that. Like, actually, it's just like a throat lozenge. I think it was, it's a throat lozenge. And so many women are doing, then everybody, you pass this shit. So, so much misinformation is being passed um because we have so much access to like different forms of like social media platforms, and I was just like, I need to create something where people are learning about sexuality in a more healthy and nuanced way because we can't we can 't have people doing really unhealthy things to their vaginas and people doing really unhealthy things to their penises and just uh, we can't no <laughs> not on my watch
0: <laughs> we can't and that's exactly. how I started I am with that. <laughs> I love that. That's amazing. And I think that that's so true when you talk about like the misinformation or even just like lack of information, because I think in the US, like, I don't know if in Kenya, we have sex education, like at a fairly like maybe like junior high school, like, like thir- 12, 13 kind of age, you probably start talking about sex and like maybe even younger because you're going to get your women start menstruating before that. So like all of that education comes into play in our schools, but we don't ever talk about like sexual desire and or pleasure. And I think that's kind of where we go wrong. It's like, we're always taught that sex is only used for like reproductive rights or like for this sacred union, which goes back to like virginity and all of that bullshit that you were saying. It's like, doesn't make any sense. But I think if we were to start talking about sex in that way, then like, as adults we wouldn't have to refer to like this like weird like incorrect information that just is out there that people are like trying to trying to say is like how you can have better sex or because it really comes from within you and i think like you said like once i tapped into like my sexual power i was like oh shit yeah no anything else that doesn't adhere to that kind of like energy or um like knowing of oneself like if you're not aware of your own sexuality or your own desires or needs like i just feel kind of like we're just imbalanced. And, like, you know, I'm open to always, like, growing and learning and sharing with the person. But, like, you have to at least be on, like, the base level of, like, just open-mindedness. Um, you know? Like, like that's that's the minimum that, that we need. Yeah. Um, exactly.
1: Okay. So, we're going to get into some of these questions that I received on Instagram, if you don't mind um, chiming in. I'm going to start with, I believe this... Actually, I'm not entirely sure what the gender of this person is. But they ask, can wanting sex all the time mean that you're addicted?
0: I don't think so. I think I want sex all the time. I just can manage it in ways that seem to fit into societal norms of how your day should function. Um, if that makes any sense. Like I think I would, a lot of us would be having sex more often, but if you have to subscribe to working a nine to five job or commuting, like obviously you, you train yourself not to like sneak into the bathroom at work and like masturbate. But I mean, I've done it. I've been there, done it before. Um, but mm-hmm. I, <laughs> I don't think that it means that you're addicted if, um if it doesn't cloud like, all of your thoughts, um, and the way that you, you know, maneuver through your life and through your day. But I think, um, it's, it's healthy. I think it's completely healthy. Um, and I don't think it means you're an addict unless, like I said, it becomes, it starts to prohibit you from, from other activities that you need to accomplish during your day. What do you think?
1: Um, I completely agree with you. I, cause I was just thinking like, like I sometimes want cupcakes every day but <laughs> that doesn't make me an addict to cupcakes but i think i think the the people are really are not aware of what an addiction actually is and by the time if you're asking if you're an addict then you're not because when you do have the addiction it really ruins your life and you know that it's a problem and you know that it's something you need to stop so if you're having um, unprotected sex you're not keeping yourself safe you're having you having drunken sex or high sex with anybody um, you're not going to work because you're going to the bar to have sex or whatever you know what I mean if it's like ruining your life and you're not able to function normally then it's an addiction but um, I think your thoughts Your thoughts, it happens and it also comes in phases. I think about sex all the fucking time too. But I am able to work and that's helpful. I'm able to distract myself. Also because considering the fact that I don't have sex as often. So, I mean, I keep myself busy. I work out and I work. (laughs) I think those are the two things that I'm able to do.
0: I feel that same way. It's like, I think about sex all the time. It's just like acting on the impulse. And to your point, I think it kind of does true addicts like a disservice if if you think that you know you have an addiction if it's not like you said ruining your life because there are people out there who are actually addicts with other substances and it is there's a clear defining line of what addiction looks like. Um but yes, I think about sex often a lot. And I mean, these days it's more so masturbation or it's like thinking of it in a way of like I don't feel like my best self or I'm like low energy and I'm like, "Oh, you haven't come today." Silly, silly girl. That's why you feel <laughs> not like yourself. Let's go do that. <laughs> that's why so, you're so yeah, I think That's why you're so angry. <laughs> that's why you're so angry, exactly. Um <laughs> yeah so i think more so now those are the ways i think about sex and like how how does how do i use sex to take care of myself like mentally physically all of that stuff as opposed to like i need to go out and like find it or have some like get it like Mm -hmm. it's just changed like my needs have slightly changed
1: um a bit of a segue uh question for you how were you able to release
0: shame around masturbation for yourself Yeah, I think, you know, when I first started masturbating, I would um, use my family's dial-up computer, like huge desktop computer that we had. We only had one in our living room. And I remember I would have this sweet spot after school from like, you know, 4 to 5 p.m. before my dad came home from work where I could like watch porn on the computer, but like In those days, you're, you're nervous that you're going to get like a virus. Like I was always like, Oh my God, like there's going to be a pop-up virus one day. My dad's going to be on the computer and see this like porn ad. But, um, Mm -hmm. so I would always kind of masturbate at first, like just using my hands and like clitoral stimulation and like, just kind of like sneak in these masturbation moments, um, before my dad would come home from school. And I would always feel afterwards kind of like I had this weird thing in my head that was kind of like, Oh God. God is judging me right now for like doing this like that was always like part of my shame I think was religious shame and um, you know this was still at the age where my mom was still kind of like weirdly using church as like leverage for you know she would say like well if you want to go out Saturday night you have to go to church on Sunday and I was like okay well that literally makes no sense oh my god (laughs) that
1: was how I was raised my mother did that To me, same. She would allow me to go out, but then my thing was that I had to go to church. And the worst part about it is that she didn't go to church, but she made sure that I
0: did. (laughs) Oh my gosh, what? She didn't go? That's ridiculous. Yeah, (laughs) I like
1: no. She didn't go, but she'd wake me up in the morning. (laughs) No,
0: I I can't even with that. So like, it was just this weird. I just like didn't understand how those two things were like. Related. I was like, well, what does church have to do with going out? Like, it was just so strange. So I think in this part of my life, I was kind of at, like thinking more so about like religion and how does that, you know, affect my sexuality and and uh, masturbation. So, um, but you know, afterwards, after a while, I just was kind of like, you know what? Like, these are my desires. I really can't block them out, and you know, I don't believe that God is like putting any extra shame on me for enjoying myself, my body, um, Mm -hmm. however I please. So I think just like after continued sex and masturbation and learning about my body and really just like being able to accept, I think sometimes we shut, we shut out, you know, our desires, right? Like you, we said about like the addiction, like we, we always are wanting to have sex, but you learn because of society to kind of Quiet, quiet down those thoughts, so after a while, I just started thinking like I'm gonna quiet these thoughts and really just hone in on how I feel, what feels good, when I want to feel good, and yeah, I think over time that's just really what happened. I can't really pinpoint like an exact moment where I felt like, okay, you know, I'm gonna release this shame with masturbation. I think just the more I did it, and the more power that I found after coming, I was like, oh, yeah, no like. I deserve, <laughs> I deserve this. these moments for real. And it was really the only way that I could learn about myself in, in order to of communicate course. my sexual needs to others was through masturbation. So I was like, well, if sex is going to be amazing and euphoric, yeah, I got to start with masturbation. So how old were you? When I first started masturbating? Yeah. I think probably around 13, 14. Wow. early or late? (laughs) Well, I think I also had your
1: timing, your divine timing.
0: Yes, exactly. Neither early nor late. But I think I also had really sexually active neighbors. Like I lived on a block where like there were probably six or seven kids. We were all around the same age mix of like girls and boys. So it's like a lot of my first sexual experiences were like dry humping with one of my neighbors or like, him being like, you know, like, let me just like touch you down there. Like, we can just see how it feels. So, like, a lot of that kind of like, like, play, like edging, like a little bit of touch, but not going all the way. So, I think with those circumstances, it just prompted me to like do more exploration on my own, but not quite being ready to engage sexually with like, another person. All the way fully so it's like that's kind of what tipped me i think into like the exploration was having other friends who were sexually active around the same age and kind of teetering between like touching and what feels good but not mm. full okay intercourse
1: my sexual debut was when
0: i was 14. I mean, like you said, in your divine timing. So I wasn't (laughs) late. It was right on time. Yes, there you go. But (laughs) considering the person that I am now, you would think that I would have had sex at a much younger age. Um, but yeah, I think, and it was, it was interesting because I went away to college and I was still a virgin and I had one friend, she was my best friend and she was a little bit older. She had a kid like in high school. So she was like way, you know, way more experienced in that realm. And every summer I would come home from the first two summers, I would come home from college and she's like are you still a virgin I was like yeah she's like yes okay don't don't give it up to anyone unless you know like just putting all of this extra pressure on on this concept of virginity and so um I remember like when I did and I came home she's just like oh my god like you did like who was it and I was like it wasn't it literally wasn't even a special human at all to me in my life or anything but it was just so interesting that you know Like you said about those virginity values, like there was Mm. it was something to be held on to tightly, like every time I knew she was going to ask me. Um, So, yeah, there was a lot of foreplay leading up to that, like 20th year of my life where I decided to go for it.
1: Good for you. I'm proud of you. It's made you who you are today. So whenever it was going to come, it came. (laughs) and I I'd like to think sometimes that if I had waited I mean I I didn't start to enjoy sex until so much later in my life so I was literally having wasted sex for a very long time so if I had waited (laughs) if I had waited um uh, to because to be completely honest I didn't enjoy any of it I didn't enjoy any of it in my teens I didn't enjoy I don't didn't enjoy most of it for my 20s and I only just have recently come to myself and started enjoying all of the different aspects of my sexuality and sex with other people. So, I mean, I I
0: admire it. Well, thank you. I mean, I think even still,
1: uh, I was have... like
0: in my 20s, like I really didn't start having great sex until I was like in a relationship with someone. And it was like consistently having sex and just like knowing that person's body. But all of those like one, two, three off times with like casual partners, I was just like... Unless, like, you have a really big dick and just, like, happen to be good at sex, I feel like everything was still just kind of mediocre.
1: Yeah. <laughs> so. Um, so our next question is, actually, I feel like we uh, were in the topic and somebody asked, how much is too much? Is there a limit to self-pleasure? So I think the question is about masturbation and they're probably wondering if they masturbate too much.
0: There's there's never a limit to masturbation. I will I will have that on my tombstone on my grave. Masturbate as much as you want whenever <laughs> you want. There's never too much <laughs> masturbation. Like true like and honestly, I have friends who don't masturbate but then also like don't orgasm during sex. So I'm just like, do you see Do you see like if you were just masturbating, I swear, I promise you, I think your orgasms would come because you just have you have to know your body. You have to know yourself like like it's so important. I can't even stress it enough. Like masturbation is the key to just having powerful sex. I believe it truly. Absolutely. I
1: agree with you. Even though um, there have been a few studies about um, different ways in which people achieve like um, their orgasms, uh, like people who watch porn and masturbate and orgasm. it's, it's A lot of it is targeted towards um, cis men and how like porn can be an addiction or how that kind of masturbation can be an addiction because of how it affects your dopamine levels. So... I actually have a video out on that um, that's also coming out soon. So I think it's a, it, it might be a thin line to the how much. And I think that a lot of people could be addicted to, I, I think a lot of it is a, is associated with porn more than it is the act of masturbating. Because then sometimes people find that they can't orgasm in any other way other than when they're masturbating and watching porn. And
0: sometimes it can affect your daily lifestyle. Yeah, Yeah. word. I think so. I think a lot of people use porn for masturbation, obviously. But then if you can't kind of disconnect, like, disassociate, like, masturbation and and coming with porn, then, yeah, I do think it's going to have some probably negative effects on, like, when you're actually interacting with, like, a real person. Mm -hmm. And I think, you know, you have to kind of read retrained your brain to think about masturbation maybe in terms of like intimacy with yourself or like fantasies with other people without the use of porn because you know at it is stimulating you in a different way than a real person would so you know I don't know have you found that during like after like you masturbate say you masturbate to porn do you feel like your orgasms are different or it takes like a different strategy for you to orgasm with a partner?
1: I've had um, moments in my life where those things have happened, where, uh, for example, I've masturbated a lot, like maybe for like a few months, it's just been like excessive and to watching porn, that it sometimes does affect my intimacy with a, with a partner. Um, and I do, I have had moments where I'm just like not interested in watching porn and I'll just masturbate normally with the absence of porn not normally but with the absence of porn and um and yeah I think I have noticed that um it affects um it, it has I think it depends on how much I'm doing it because if I'm doing it like so once a day with porn I don't consider to be a lot but if I'm doing it every day 10 times in the day watching porn and I can't please myself without having like access to porn then then that's a problem and it will definitely affect everything in in my life you know it'll affect it, i mean even just like the guilt that's associated with it because by the 10th time that you're coming and you're just like what the fuck am i doing like my clit is numb it's can't numb. feel you, like you're exactly. pretty much digging your vibrator yes. into oh your clit God. so that you can
0: feel something yes <laughs> for real or like at the point where like have you like you can rate like i rate my orgasms i'm like okay if it's on a scale of like one to ten by that tenth time that you're masturbating the orgasm like isn't even great like it's, it's i'm not even really wet it's just it's like, like it's a half it's, a ha- it's like not even a half it's like a fraction i'm just like was that <laughs> worth it was it really worth it like it wasn't like i i need like the juicy yeah, orgasms exactly. like where are based like you know toes scrunched yeah. on the bed um but yes. by, the, by like the 10th time yes. I'm just like shit I just rubbed out like some dry ass orgasm that I'm just like my hand is cramped because it's just working so hard to like <laughs> make, <laughs> to hold <laughs> the, the vibrator vi- the clit is vibrating by itself exactly <laughs> it's taking on like... the shape of it <laughs> of I'm like sis that just wasn't it wasn't worth it just like close you know close the legs, close the porn and just like, re- let yourself just re regroup, you know? So uh, yeah, I'm not with those like, yeah, I've,
1: I've, I've damaged my pussy
0: masturbating before. I've been there. I've been there.
1: <laughs> like, you know, like swollen and yeah, it's been a hot mess. I think, I think, I
0: believe it's, it's like a rite of passage. It is. It's a rite of passage. And I feel honestly, before I was totally like self-sufficient in terms of getting wet, which like I still am. I'm like always typically very wet. Um, But like introducing lube into my masturbation practice really has mm. just been a game changer. Like a thousand percent.
1: Thanks for the tip. I actually don't use lube when I masturbate. I have like maybe once or twice and it's because uh, one of my partners introduced me to this um, THC CBD lube and I wanted to test to see if it worked, which it doesn't, but I, yeah, that's the only time that I use lube to masturbate. Otherwise, Ooh. if my pussy's not wet, then
0: we're gonna, we're doing it dry. Mm-hmm. <laughs> no, for sure, for sure. I feel that, but I have this... Um, when I, I have one vibrator that I love that's like a rabbit and like G-Spot, it has the G-Spot um, vibrator as well as a clitoral vibrator, uh, you know, attached. And it also has this heating, um, you know, setting where you can like, it warms up. So it feels like more like a human penis, which is amazing. And so with that one, it's like, I t- typically don't use lube because I'm like, I don't know, just even if I like vibrate and put it in there, it's really, it's. It takes care of itself. But then I have another vibrator that's just a clitoral vibrator. And with that one, it's like if you just put it on like dry against a dry clit, it's kind of like, you know, it needs like a little just a little lube on the on the tip or on the clit just to warm it up a little bit.
1: I generally don't enjoy uh, penetration with with toys. You know, someone else said that. I'm I'm always doing things clitorally.
0: Yeah, someone else said that to me, and I was I was curious because I feel like that was the first that was the first vibrated that the one that my mom gave me <laughs> was a rabbit. So I think I've just always been like used to penetrative orgasm or masturbation, and I feel like I've noticed like different times in my mood where there are definitely days where I'm like, oh, like I need penetration, and there are other days where I'm like, oh, like I just want like my clit licked or or you know fed so it's just kind of like i i feel like i notice in myself like what my body needs so i'm always curious with like particularly women who feel that penetrative masturbation is not it for them
1: yeah it always feels like a foreign thing is in my body uh, okay i don't know i don't know also it, it i think when i masturbate especially like yo quarantine especially when you're masturbating with when I'm masturbating with somebody else then I then I can do the penetration but if I'm masturbating on my own then Then I won't won't.
0: okay I get it I get it I think the the foreign aspect is why I love the one that I have that gets warm because it's like it feels like something Mm. real potentially I think it's all about like training your brain but it's difficult yeah okay there's
1: actually a question about advice seeing as we were talking about masturbating with other people um advice on a good dating app i need good sex and someone to explore my body
0: with i don't i don't really i mean for now i just want to be like stay home (laughs) yeah exactly i'm like this we don't just explore your own body and stay home exactly i i think i'm It's funny, though, because I had this conversation with some of my friends, like, a couple weeks ago. I was like, all right, guys, so, like, it's quarantine. Is this the time to get on a dating app? Just purely for conversation, like... Maybe more people, maybe the pool's gonna get bigger because people are bored. Maybe more options are gonna come online. Like, is this a time to go on and see like who's out there and just have conversations? I know like I was on Bumble and they have like video, they encourage you to use like the video app, like when you're talking with someone. So they've added that. So I think like, you know, if if it's for you, there are ways to communicate and maybe just start up like a conversation that could potentially lead to something once quarantine's over. But I got on for like a couple of weeks, and I was just like, "Yeah, no, this is still just not <laughs> for me." But um, yeah, I think I, I can't even recommend any dating apps. I don't know if you're on them. What are, what are the dating apps? They're the same in Kenya.
1: <laughs> so. I I feel like we're like twin flames so I actually just recently got onto dating apps as well because of quarantine and because I thought that I would like because my my biggest problem with dating apps is that um, I'm such an introvert so being home is actually not the hardest thing for me Uh, but the dating app scene is just like it means that you have to go out and meet people and I don't like meeting people Especially for the first time. (laughs) So like I thought that this is the perfect time for me to get on a dating app. Maybe I can meet somebody and maybe that could lead to something because it will only be conversation-based. And so... They're just not for me. Yeah, so I've been on Bumble as well. We don't have that video app. I don't know if it's just like a thing that is um, limited to location, like based on where you are. But the Bumble that we have here the bumble that i have in kenya we um don't have a video like a component to it it's just the same as the bumble that's always like
0: in the mess like when you match with someone in your messaging with them it says like it says like oh start a video oh i see it shit so i see it yeah do you see it yeah okay yeah it's there so I think that they're trying to, you know, encourage, like, don't leave your house. Yeah. <laughs> but you can still yeah. chat and see the person. But I, honestly, if someone on this app that, like, I hadn't spoken with at a long time tried to video yeah. me, I would just be like, absolutely not. Like, that would be the day that I was, like, yeah, deleting absolutely. the app. So I think it obviously has to be consensual course, that you're ready yeah. to see. Yes, of course.
1: I think even just in real life, if anybody tries <laughs> yeah. to video chat me, I'm just like, yeah, no. Nope, you didn't ask for consent,
0: so oh, we're not going to play that game for yeah. sure. <laughs> yes, absolutely, absolutely. So I've been trying
1: the four dating apps that I've been using over the last maybe it's been two weeks that I that I've been on dating apps, and um, Bumble, Okay Cupid, Okay Cupid. If you're, um, I find that there's a lot more same sex co- um, people, like people who are more pansexual, queer. Um, and also just non-monogamous, so that's a thing that I'm also just like I'm really clear about and, and need for my partners to know and also to be. I would like a partner who's either non-monogamous or who is in who is okay with their partners being or their partner being non-monogamous. Yeah. Um, so, okay, Cupid is good for that. Um, I haven't had many interactions there though, and I find it a little bit hard to navigate. Um, There is an app called Happen, which is H-A-P-P-N. And this app is actually better if you're out and about because it matches you with people that are in like a particular radius. So people who are close to you and who have things in common with you. So it would say, oh, so-and-so is in your neighborhood and you guys could match or whatever. Um, And then FetLife, which is more like a... um, people who are into fetishes and kink and BDSM type app but it's I don't think it works in Kenya so I haven't been able to get on.
0: I don't know if it belongs to Tender or if they just kind of riffed off the name but I know that Thrender exists if people want to look for like a third person to come into the relationship or maybe more polyamorous um type you know, ethical non-monogamous relationships. I think that's a place where you know that people who are on this app are open to inviting someone in or looking for, you know, a couple to participate with. Um, I haven't been on it. I dated a swinger. And um, so he was like, let's create a profile. And I was just like, oh, (laughs) we did, we did. And we like talked to a couple couples on there and it just like it, I don't know. It didn't go anywhere. But yeah, I, kn- I know that it does exist for sure. For sure.
1: I've, um, I, I really enjoy dating couples I have in the past. Um, and I find that also Tinder is really good with, with that. Because a lot of couples go on Tinder as couples looking for, looking for singles. And so I actually met... Distance is a fucked up shit. I met a really beautiful couple that lives in Philly. And um, at the time I was in Jersey, so I spent a lot of time between like Jersey, New York. And um, we kind of just talk a lot now. We're like really good friends, but then we've always had like this dream to meet up and, and have like play sessions or whatever. But um, I, one of the things that I put on my profile on Tinder is the unicorn sign, which, which means that I'm eager to play with couples or, you know, couples plus so um, I enjoy being that person that that couples seek, but only specifically if it's um, if it's it it would be silly of me to say not fetishized because it's hard not to fetishize a threesome, but like people who are who are more poly than they are just looking for sex,
0: yeah, right. Did you ever meet up with them?
1: No, we've oh, we only ever Facetime.
0: I mean, you can have FaceTime sex, but that's not really... If you're listening to this podcast.
1: (laughs) FaceTime. Especially, (laughs) and you know how... Let me tell you, the number of times that I've had FaceTime sex with couples, it's so hard when you're alone. It's it's so, like, it's also just, like, really emotionally draining. Because when you're done and you hang up the phone, it's like you're alone and they're not. Exactly. Exactly. Yes.
0: I feel that way. I've never had... I mean, I have never had (laughs) FaceTime sex with a couple, but I've had, like, FaceTime sex i guess with one person which is basically just like me masturbating with them like getting off and giving instructions which you know it's like it spices up the masturbation but yeah after you it's like it seems so like as soon as you hit the end button you're just like left you're just like spread out on your bed or wherever and you're just kind of like okay that that was that like i don't know it just seems so like in the moment, it's great. But then as soon as it ends, it just feels like I'm still unsatisfied. Right. You're like trying to please know, yourself. I like You have to please yourself. You feel out. like this I like pressure that. to come and like t- for it to be extra wet and juicy to like show them and see a picture. And I feel like there's like this performance aspect <laughs> uh, of it that just adds like a little bit more pressure yeah. as opposed to when you're just masturbating by yourself and can just like, it is what it is. Like You get it done how you like, and I don't know. There's there's definitely a performance aspect when you're Facetiming with someone that Mm. you feel like you're like trying to get the right angle. Does it look? Does it look good? Like sometimes those are things like as if you were on like a set or if you're shooting a porn or a video. You know, you always are trying to get the right angle. Yeah, for me, there's like a little bit more performance pressure added, which probably takes away just from like getting off.
1: (laughs) Yeah, yeah, I can understand that. And I think the difference between us in that aspect is like I really enjoy that performance aspect of of, um, Skype or Facetime or whatever sex, um, because also because I I really do enjoy playing the role of a submissive in in a lot of my sexual interactions. Yeah, and me too. Um, it brings me so much pleasure to serve yes. and I think it's interesting to me. Telling you, twin flames. I mean And <laughs> and a lot of the time I really do enjoy like having interactions with people where I'm where they tell me what to do um entirely. So then I feel like I I get into this like complete subspace where and the actually to be honest, the best thing about subspace is that it takes away every like everything else. It takes away everything else that's happening in the world and allows you to just serve whoever it is that's dominating you at that point and I I found that um, I just had an experience just very recently and I found that in that moment like in that moment nothing else in the world mattered nothing like the world could be ending and literally I was just pleasing myself and pleasing somebody else in that moment and I really enjoy that I like that performance aspect of it because I'm serving somebody else and it brings me so much pleasure to
0: serve in that sense. I think a lot of people get confused about like being sub, especially because I assume the same for you. Like you're probably really dominant in your everyday life of like your business and your hustle. Like you probably are like, you know, I'm here, I'm about this business. But then sexually you turn on, you're like your sub and you love being, you know, told what to do. And I just, I think people don't understand that there's so much power in being a sub, right? Like it doesn't mean that it's a weakness or that you, you are like, you know, you you lack all sense of like power in this situation. Of like course. I think it it's so powerful to be able to give over your power in that in that moment. Um so I think that a lot of people confuse like being submissive with being like associating it with being weak. And I think it's it's completely the opposite. Like you know that you're subservient Ness is is ultimately bringing so much pleasure to your partner or partners
1: exactly um i actually just recently had this conversation with a couple of friends talking about um how powerful being a submissive is is because i'm allowing you i'm giving you the power to control me exactly. i'm in charge, yep. That's and i'm giving is. the power to you so <laughs> Yeah, I think I think it's, it's a it's a beautiful thing. Yeah, exactly. Because if I come if if you as a as a as a dom, if I come out of my subspace and I come out of that scene, then then that's you that's it's over for you. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like I've given you the power to completely take over the scene. So if I step
0: out of the scene even just for like a second, then it's over for you. So 100%. the power is mine. The power is mine. Yes. Like me choosing to be a sub Like you said, whenever I'm finished with that, like then it totally affects who you are in that situation. Whereas like, you know, it's not so clear when the the other way around. So yeah, sub power to the subs. Like... We're yes. we're no, running it. We're running the shit. <laughs>
1: yeah. Who runs the world? Subs. Who runs the world? <laughs>
0: subs. Exactly. We should do we should remake that. That's so funny. We really should. Now that we have the time to.
1: <laughs> Basically. Um, here's a question that might uh excite okay. Besides giving a guy blowjobs and hand jobs, what else can be done as foreplay to
0: excite a guy? Besides hand jobs or blowjobs? Um, hmm. I mean, I like a little, I love, I love doing like striptease or like dancing. I like just, or even like guided touch. If you like take their hand and kind of like rub it up your thigh, like close to your vagina, but like not quite on your vagina, just like really igniting the senses, exploring your body. Like I like touch, I like smell, scent. Um, yeah, I think kissing is an amazing way to foreplay, um, sucking balls. I know that's kind of in the like, um, blowjob genre, but, um, I, yeah, I'm really into touch and even just moments before of like sharing music or sharing about your day conversation, eye contact. I'm into all of that kind of foreplay of like the the more like emotional intellectual foreplay I think is kind of what I'm into these days. Like before this quarantine, I had a, I had an ex-partner come over and we were just like on the sofa, just like not even touching, but just like listening to music, vibing out, like intense eye contact. And then he grabbed my hand and put it on his dick. And I was like, oh, oh, okay. Like, and it just felt so natural. Mm-hmm. and So right after this, like buildup of like no other previous touch, but basically just like, just eye contact and, and mute, like vibing over good music. That
1: story is hot. Like I'm a little turned on by that. <laughs> yeah, I was gonna say the same thing. Like I find that um, even like teasing, I guess, men is 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 a really nice way to sort of foreplay. You know, sending them like partial nudes, just like figuring out how to take really good pictures of yourself to tease them is a, is a nice foreplay way. I think people need to also start disassociating foreplay with it happening when the sex is happening and that it can happen like throughout the day when you're not together and um and in so many different ways. Um uh, because the brain is really is wired in so many different ways. It doesn't involve like, okay, so we're gonna have sex and then now is when the foreplay begins, but it can begin. Yes. Way before and it can
0: continue way after as well. Exactly, exactly. It doesn't have to be right before sex. And I think it's honestly more powerful for me, at least, when it's like a build. Because then when you finally do it, it's just like, oh my God, like, damn, like these last days or hours that I didn't see you, but have been thinking about it. It it makes it more more powerful in the moment when it actually does happen, but it doesn't have to be like, just right before sex. Like, oh, we're about to have sex. Guess I got to touch your dick now.
1: <laughs> yeah, exactly. Mm-hmm. Um, I think because of time we should do like one more question.
0: Yeah, let's take one more question. Okay. So
1: I'm twenty-eight and have only orgasmed once. What's the issue? Do you want to start with this one? <laughs> <laughs> I think I think that that question is is very vague, but I have a very strong feeling that um she is talking about partnered orgasms as opposed to self-orgasms and a lot of the time people are not aware of the fact that most women don't orgasm during penetrative sex and um it's just it's just so many things come into play uh um not allowing yourself to to be calm and to to be in the moment without thinking about all of the other things that are affecting your life um i feel like um Women are constantly thinking about like how they also because of the way that we're fed with the media, um, how how I look or how I feel or is a person going to be attracted to me? Because like every month Cosmopolitan is saying 10 ways to make your sex life better. And, (laughs) And the images of the picture in the magazines are these skinny models that are white that you know it's just like all of the stuff that we're being fed by the media has is not relatable and makes us feel worse about ourselves before it makes us feel better so um, by the time women are getting into bed they're already carrying so much baggage and so it's really hard for them to relax into themselves to be able to allow themselves to feel the pleasure that they want um, with their partners so it's really hard to already, to enjoy sex already fully, but to have an orgasm on top of that. So a lot of the time I do tell people that um, if you stop thinking about sex as uh, something that ends with a goal, like an orgasm, if you think about it as just this beautiful thing, this exchanging thing that you're exchanging with a partner, you're sharing your vulnerabilities and your body and it involves touch and, it, and and there doesn't necessarily have to be an end to it. Then you'd be surprised, um, like not thinking about coming and having the conversations with your partner where you discuss that, like we don't, we don't have to come. Let's just have sex, or let's just um, enjoy each other intimately without there being an end goal. Then I feel like sex in that way is by far a lot better. How about you?
0: Definitely. Yeah. I think a lot of people think that sex has to end in orgasm, which, you know, as much as I pray that it does, sometimes it doesn't happen that way. Honestly, <laughs> though, it <laughs> that hasn't really happened to me in a really long time. Like, I think I've just mastered the skill of like, being able to orgasm, not, I wouldn't say I can orgasm on command, but like, I think I've been able to kind of like maneuver my body in different situations with partners, especially during penetrative sex where I'm like, okay, I know which positions or like what I, I'm able to guide people into helping me reach orgasm. But um, yeah, I think that as soon as we let go of those, you know, those ideals that say that it has to end an orgasm and just taking off of that pressure. Like you said, like releasing all of the, the junk that's in your brain, that's kind of stopping you. And, and at this point, if you have, if you've only had one during penetrative sex, it's probably what you're always thinking about every time you have sex is like, okay, when is the second one coming? So I think if you can just relax and allow yourself to be in the moment with that person and maybe, you know, um, I don't know, it's, it's tough because I think, you know, you want to communicate to your partner that you know maybe that's something that you want to achieve but then it's like you don't want to put too much pressure on a person and you don't want that person always be asking like did you come are you close?" like i don't know that kind of stuff is like mm-hmm. really not enjoyable to hear during sex so i think it's just gonna be something that you have to kind of if it's also during masturbation or solo play like taking more time to explore yourself and your body and if it's with a partner you know, I think just trying to relax and let go and maybe focus on like pleasing your partner and them pleasing you in other ways that just feel really great, but don't necessarily mean orgasm. And I think it will, it will come.
1: Something you said was really interesting. And, um, a lot of people don't do this is, is telling their partners how they want to be pleased. So, um, the reason that you're able to come, um, uh, Whenever you you want, is because you're able to tell your partner what to do in order to make you come, and I think that a lot of people are having sex without having without communication attached to it. So nobody is telling there, but also because again the media has shown us like all the movies we watch is that people fuck and then the, and then they people come at the same time, which is not how real life sex happens. You have to tell your partner what you want, and the only way that you can do that is by ex experimenting on your body and trying to figure out the things that you like that way you can tell your partner this is how I want to be touched this is what's going to make me come so figure that shit out for yourself yeah Um, and if you're struggling (laughs) with self then um, I definitely do think that um that getting a vibrator is is might be an important part of sexuality as well for women
0: for sure and I think like you said honestly, it's happened so rarely that I've come at the same time as a partner. And I feel like you see that in movies all the time they're, or in porn, like, are you coming? I'm about to come. Are you about to come? I'm about to come. And like, yeah. I'm just like, that is so unrealistic to me personally. I mean, I'm sure it's happened before and I'm sure other people maybe have experienced it, but it's it's just like, like you said, all of these ideas, all of the media influence and Cosmo, you know, reading that, I remember as a teen, like just, you know, really being like, you know, obsessed with whatever Cosmo said was, like, the Bible, the sex Bible. And it's just, like, reading it now, you're just like, what the hell is this jargon? Like, it's not real. Mm -hmm. Um, Mm -hmm. But, yeah, I think I... um, Someone at one of my events, um, brought up this concept and I've kind of just like been going with it of glows and grows. And she was saying like, it's a really great way after sex or like before sex, if you've been having sex with the same person multiple times, like like, saying like, okay, what were the glows? Like, oh, the glows were like, I love when you, you fingered me and then, you know, you flip me over and you know, whatever. And then you could say the grows were like, oh, but maybe next time, like. I feel like we need to do more like foreplay before sex of just like a kind of like a really like casual like conversation after sex before sex about things that worked, things that didn't work, what you want to kind of improve on. And it's just mm-hmm. like a way to kind of introduce like this dialogue that doesn't feel so much of like, well, I didn't come, so next okay. time you need to do this, like just easy ways to kind of introduce like dialogue into sex because it's so important, especially if you're not being satisfied. And I think Like if you're, I think there are definitely like special moments where, I don't know if you've ever just had sex with someone Mm. and it just clicked. Like you never had to really discuss like anything that was like not Mm. going right. It's just like your energies were just so in sync. And I think if you get that, that's so rare and it's so beautiful. But a lot of the times I think you do have to put in some work. Yeah,
1: I had an (laughs) ex-boyfriend and I feel so sad because we had the best sex. And we were one of those couples that, well, we weren't even a couple. We were a throuple. But (laughs) he and I had, um, like, the chemistry that he and I had was so powerful. And um, we always, first of all, we always wanted each other. Always. Like, all the fucking time. And then we always came at the same time. And sometimes, like, our sex wouldn't even last, like, six minutes. It was just, like, as soon as we were in each other's arms, it was just, like, unfortunately with that relationship that was all we had (laughs) so obviously
0: yeah (laughs) didn't work out (laughs) i've been there oh my gosh yeah i've been there when it's like all the sex is really the only thing but i think it either ends did it end because one person developed feelings
1: no we were in a relationship we were in an we were dating we were so um that was one of the like um one of my polyamorous relationships where I dated this married couple. I so, see. Okay. Are they still um, married? Many complicated things, obviously. No, unfortunately. Yeah. Oh, damn, that didn't work out. But, um, but it was you messed it something up. Something while it was. <laughs> no, uh, I kidding. went and
0: fucked shit up. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you just had to throw yourself in there and fuck it up. <laughs> Uh, yeah no yeah i'm sure it was for an array of complicated
1: reasons (laughs) absolutely but i mean just like um having having that with somebody else is 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 so rare because i've never had it before
0: and i haven't had it after as well so i feel you i had a relationship like that recently with someone who like the sex was so good, but it like nothing else Mm -hmm. was right. And we didn't, we weren't dating. It was purely sexual. But like, even when he would come over, I would go over there. In my mind, I was just kind of always like, okay, like, do we have to do this whole like fake pretend conversation thing? Like, I just really want to have sex and like get out of here. And so after a while, I was just like, this sex, it's, it's amazing, but it's just not even worth like, the pretend (laughs) connection vibe thing. Like, I think that's so important to me now at this point in life. It's like, I need to just have like a genuine connection with that person that like good dick is just good dick at this point. Like it just, it doesn't outweigh the actual like intellectual and emotional support that I need from a person, even if it's casual, even it doesn't mean we have to be in a relationship, but like I need those other areas to also be fulfilled and it just wasn't there in the situation. So when I decided to like of end course. things, he was so confused, like, well, I don't understand, like, what is it like? are you not satisfied? I was like, no, like I'm completely sexually satisfied, but like for whatever reason, there's just like nothing else and I just need more. But I like, I don't know. He had such a difficult time kind of wrapping his head around that concept. So Mm -hmm. it was interesting and sad I had to let that one go. He had, yeah, he had a really big dick. So I was sad about that, but it just wasn't I see big dick is your thing. I love big dicks. Oh my gosh, I really do. And I feel so... Whenever I find one, I'm just like, yes. <laughs> <It> basically... <laughs> <laughs> Thank you God. Thank you God. Yes, but I mean, am I gonna like <laughs> not have sex with you if you don't have a big dick? Like, no. But I just hope that you can, you know, make up for it in other ways. So, so yeah, size is turnt, not a thing for you. But I'm always happy. It's, I mean, listen. I don't want to be a sizist, but I, I think I am, but it's like, if it's like your first time having sex with someone and they pull out their dick and it's not big, I'm not going to be like, um, actually no, but I, (laughs) but am I wishing and hoping before this happens? Am I like imagining being like, oh. I I hope they have a big dick. Do they have a big dick? Let me look at their hands. Let me like all of the like typical, like wrong, 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 wrong thoughts and stereotypes. (laughs) Those are things that go through my mind before having sex with a person for the first time. But yeah, no, I'm not going to like say no if it's not the size that I was hoping. But um, sometimes I do when I'm having sex with someone or dating someone. I'm just like is this my husband? And I'm like, oh, but I need my husband's dick to be XYZ. So maybe not. <laughs> like, I don't know. Those are all like really strange thoughts that go through my mind. So I probably I am so a low-key, like, sizist. But, um, you know, sometimes times are tough and you just got to get what you You just got to accept what you get. I don't know. Yeah, well, what you about get. you? Are you?
1: When I do sleep with men, um, I I it's a tough one i don't even think i've ever like admitted this but i think i am a sizist but i don't like very big dicks because i don't have that much room um i actually recently well not recently like maybe two or two years ago i was hospitalized because i had sex with somebody who had a big dick and then it ended up um, rapturing cyst that I had in my ovaries, so I had to go in. Th- I was in America, by the way, and um, I ended up having surgery, um, emergency surgery, because of that. So um, be- I am also a masochist, so I do enjoy the pain of big dicks, but <laughs> but I don't generally like. I-, I would rather that it was more of an average size. Um, I think. That if you're smaller, then it's, it's okay. And um, sure, if you can, you see, the thing is, if I'm having sex with a man, there's a, there's a certain way in which I want to be pleased. So, <laughs> smaller dicked men, <laughs> ideally shouldn't matter, but then you're not giving me what I came here for. And what I came here for was like a certain feeling that I want when there's penetration. But
0: um, (laughs) I don't know. I don't know. Does that make sense? Yeah, of course. It makes sense. I've had that like when I was sleeping with this same person who has a really big dick. I like he basically went so deep that it like bruised my cervix. And so it was just like so painful. Like after that, like it was just so painful and like i had to research it because i was just like wait what just happened to me like after he had like bruised it like he kept trying to and i was like "Whoa, whoa like we have to stop like something is seriously like not right here it's like really painful um so i think it was maybe just like the angle or like something about it in that moment like it had bruised my cervix so i was out of commission for a good like few days or weeks like thankfully i didn't have to have a surgery like i'm so glad that you're okay because that sounds really wow. scary and like painful and you weren't in your like home country so i can only imagine if that was you know and no, a, i'm actually ordeal. glad that i wasn't in my home country okay because i don't <laughs> really? know how that would have happened if i was what would have gone down if i was in kenya yeah i feel that yeah that's that would have been scary but yeah i don't know so i mean i guess there are <laughs> not all big dicks are good big dicks but um <sighs> Yeah, I I understand that, but I'm glad that you're okay now. Um so maybe we shouldn't be so greedy about sizeism after all. <laughs> I don't know. This is the lesson. <laughs> it, yeah, that's the lesson basically, like be careful what you ask for. Yeah. And and also just
1: like people are built different. Like even um you know, if you're a heterosexual woman or um cis woman who likes to have sex with um, penises then um we also just need to understand that all vaginas are built different so um you know what's good for me is not always good for you and so on and so forth and we and, and we we do get uh wrapped up in conversations about size so much even without having the experience you know so I think as long as there's pleasure, then fuck everything else. Oh, but you know, funny story. Um, I went on a Tinder date um, with this guy who ended up being really nice and kind and sweet that I decided that I was going to sleep with him. And then I did. Or I don't, this is the thing. I don't remember if I actually had sex with him because his dick was small. And I remember that we got a hotel room. And I remember that there was other forms of play that were involved, but I can't remember penetration. So the other day I was thinking about him and I was just like, fuck, did we fuck? I can't remember. So I texted my cousin because I was staying with my cousin at the time. And I was just like, when I, did I, did I tell you that we fucked? Cause I can't remember if I fucked him. <laughs> like, I can't
0: remember. Can't remember. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I, I've been there. I've had those small dicks where, you're like in the moment you're having foreplay and then, you know, they start thrusting and you're like, Oh, are you inside? Um, is this like, I just like really like could not tell the difference between like a finger and a dick. And I was just like, okay, well, I'm just going to assume that this motion indicates that they are inside, (laughs) 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 but I cannot, but I can't, distinguish yeah I've been there I've really been there and those are the people that I don't count on my list if I were to count a body yeah, count I heard you list, talking about those that. people don't
1: <laughs> oh, that's like, I hope those not are the ones the that podcast. don't make
0: it I hope not I, I you know I haven't named any names so I think <laughs> that, that it's uh you know they won't know <laughs> yay this has been so amazing it has been amazing. I'm so glad that we finally got to do this. And I hope after uh, this whole quarantine thing is over. I know you said you're not probably coming to the US for a while, but Kenya has been on my list. So I'm still trying to get to the continent later this year if if all things are aligned, inshallah. So we shall see. Yeah. Yay! Is there anything you want to add? Um, yeah, I think I would just add, like, I know that this is a really intense Time, wild time, but I think if anything, focus on yourself, focus on your pleasure, on your mental, on your physical um, now is the time to explore your body and other intimate parts of yourself that maybe you don't have access to when when you're out in the world and with a lot of people, so if you can and you're healthy and your family's healthy, you know just try to treat yourself with the best love and care that you can in this in this moment,
1: yeah, what she said,
0: word, yes. <laughs> It's so dope to connect with other African women who are unapologetically pushing the boundaries when it comes to sex and sexuality. I admire Cass so much, especially because she is doing this work on the continent, which I know has its own separate obstacles. So be sure to follow the Spread podcast and like, subscribe, comment, follow all that good stuff for Proho as well. And our podcast drops every Wednesday. So we'll see you next week. Peace.